0: all right well we are in the old testament book of jeremiah we said he was a one of the major prophets we said he was major because uh, not because he was more important than the minor prophets just because he wrote wrote more here in jeremiah chapter one if somebody would just uh, do you does anybody remember what uh, this was the book called something at the top your top blank remember from last week we left a blank there. I bet Becca's got it. Cause up, oh, Becca's not here. It was the book of blank ground. What did we say that was?
1: Solid ground.
0: It was not solid ground. It was stony ground. Yep. And uh I don't have a candy bar for you. Oh, should I go get out of the So, it was the book of Stony Ground because uh God told him to tell this message to the the people of Judah, but that they weren't going to listen, but he needed to tell them anyway. And so, there was a Stony Ground and we all I think every ground is hard ground right now. There was a time, I remember, we had sent uh, some missionaries to, like, Central America, and boy, it seemed like there was, like, mass revival. There was hundreds and thousands getting saved, and but, but that's pretty rare that you hear those type of things uh, anymore. So anyway, this is a stony ground. We we really don't have record of I don't think uh, any conversion. He's kind of like Noah. You know, Noah was a preacher of righteousness, but uh, ultimately only his family got on the boat with him. So, uh anyway, this was some stony ground he was going into. And uh if someone would read the first 6 verses of Jeremiah chapter 1. I got it. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat>
1: In the words of Jeremiah, son of uh, Hilkiah of the priests that were in Anath, land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Jonah, son of Ammon, king of Judea. Uh, in the thirteenth year of his reign, it came also in the days of Jehoiakim, son of Jeho- uh, Josiah, king of Judea, uh, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, <laughs> king of Judea, uh, unto carrying away of Jerusalem, captive the fifth month. Uh, then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou cameest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained a prophet unto the nations. Uh, then say Our oh Lord God,
0: behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Okay, so uh, there is a lot of names and places in this uh, passage. This is kind of the introduction to Jeremiah, and it talks about his birth being this place of Ananoth. And uh, how many remember the? Uh, let me get, let me try to get this straight. Remember. Uh, Israel was divided up into two groups after King Solomon. What what were those two groups?
1: The north and the south.
0: Yeah, the northern. How many tribes were in the north? Uh, There were ten northern tribes. Good job. And there was two southern tribes. And so of all those tribes, uh, God placed... Uh, even though the Levites didn't get any land they were given some cities to dwell in and Ananoth was one of those places that the Levites so uh, Jeremiah it seems was a Levite even though he was in the land of Benjamin so the two southern tribes were uh, Judah and Benjamin and the northern tribes uh, were the ten northern tribes now (coughs) there's there's something really famous happened in 721 BC and I'll kind of try to highlight that here right, right so in 721 this was the Assyrian captivity I don't know if you can capture that Angie
2: Jim says if you stay close to the phone, we can hear him from
0: the phone microphone. Okay, so just pull that out and maybe you can hear... Just this whole thing? Yeah, just... Talk yeah. All right. Yeah, scream. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so something really happened famous in 721. It was the Assyrian captivity. So the ten northern tribes were taken captive by the Assyrians. And it was a famous... Uh, ruler named Shanacharib that did that and uh, and so uh, another kind of famous event was when so these are the last eight kings of Judah these are the southern uh, southern kingdom these are the last eight kings that they had and uh, something else famous happened in about five eighty six BC, what was that?
1: So the Babylonian.
0: Right,
2: Kevin's got seventeen kings over.
0: So you're on point today. yeah.
1: We were even early. <laughs> That's probably why
0: I'm on point. What's uh what's kind of neat about this is you know when I was in Israel uh, we were travel I think it was the first day we were there we were traveling back from uh Tel Aviv oh. Uh, that's their nation's capital even though Jerusalem is kind of uh, their capital as well the historical capital but uh, we were all on the bus, and and the tour guide said something about, yeah, when we were taken captive about 586 BC. So even so, w- what we're saying here in this class is the same thing that the Jews are saying in Israel, and uh, it's just a matter of fact that they teach their their young people that yeah, uh, our forefathers were taken captive in 586 BC. So, uh, I kind of wanted to just talk about kind of what's leading up to this. There's just some uh, really good history here. And uh, there's just a... there's You know, as a kid, all of us probably like Daniel and the Lion's Den or David and Goliath. We love those stories. Well, Hezekiah, in my opinion, is on equal level with that. Just... Uh, the 10 northern tribes were being taken during his reign so he's sitting down here in Jerusalem and the 10 northern tri- I mean the enemies are invading from the north and they're mocking the people of God and they're saying don't trust in the god of Hezekiah but meanwhile Hezekiah gets a, a scroll out and he goes into the temple and he prays for God to protect them and an angel of the Lord comes in the night and kills 185,000 Assyrians. I mean, Israel doesn't even have to go to war. Hezekiah just prays, and that very night, God kills 185,000 enemies. That's amazing.
1: Is that where they were getting ready to go to war, but uh, they just walked in and took all the loot? No, oh, that's 2 uh,
2: Chronicles 20. That's Josiah. No.
0: <clears throat> I think uh, you're talking about like those. Surrounding them. The, no, that but. that was the Syrian. That was the four lepers. That was a little different story, but it, it's a different story. That's powerful too. That that's very powerful as well. So, uh, so God preserved these southern tribes in the days of Hezekiah, and then. Uh, Depending on how you pronounce that, some say Manasseh, some say Menasseh. Manasseh. But uh, Manasseh. he is the longest reigning king of of Judah. Uh, does anybody know how long he reigned? Forty years. That's close. It's on your paper. It's uh, fifty five. Fifty five. So he reigned for fifty five years. Wow. And uh, his son Ammon. Uh, reigned after him. So, if, if you look at at verse two of chapter one, we Kevin just read this. In verse two, to whom? So it's talking about Jeremiah to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. And uh, if you look at your paper. It says, Josiah reigned 31 years. Does everybody see that? Mm -hmm. So God came to Jeremiah in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah. So Josiah uh, is probably older than Jeremiah because we think that uh, Jeremiah began his reign when he was 18 to 20 years old. And uh, so Josiah had already been a king for 13 years. And so uh, he's maybe a little bit older than Jeremiah. But anyway, they were, they were contemporary one with another. <clears throat> and so uh, this on the board is just kind of one way to lay out uh, what the Bible's saying here.
1: <coughs>
0: and this is our first
2: paper i on the back of the other one. I kind of got a question. Yeah. You're saying he reigned
0: 13 years and it's on our paper, but I'm not seeing it on my paper 31 years. Right. So, during Josiah's 31 years, the 13th year of his reign is when God spoke to Jeremiah. Does that makes sense, yes, yeah. so he reigned for thirty one but during the thirteenth years when God spoke so so god 's kind of dating all this for us, and then does everybody see in verse three it says it came to pa- it, it, also, it it came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the eleventh year of Zedekiah. Now on your paper, does everybody see on your paper Zedekiah? He reigned 11 years. Yeah. So in the 11th year of his reign is when uh, it says under the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the 5th month. And so from, from Josiah's 13th year till, that, yeah. till the end of that... Uh, it's approximately forty years, so so this is when Jeremiah was a prophet. I hope that kind of makes sense. So, from this thirteenth year, and to the eleventh year of of, of uh, Zedekiah. So Zedekiah was the uh, last of Judah's kings if that makes sense everybody with me and so what do you think goes in your blank i've got it on your board on the board captivity. captivity right so so the babylonian captivity happened around uh, 586 or 587 bc you might see it uh, one or the other and so that, uh, we read last year, that's kind of, or last week, that's when God kind of threw in the towel. When there was no more remedy, God allowed the enemies of Jerusalem and Judah to be taken captive. Now, let, let's all uh, turn with me, if you will, hold your place here, and let's all look back at Second Kings. I think it's like the last chapter of Second Kings, it's chapter 25. Second Kings twenty-five, and and I'm, I'm I'm not going to read all this, but in Second Kings twenty-five, because all these names connect connect together. That's kind of what we're doing. Second Kings 25, let's actually look at verse 1. And it came to pass in the ninth year of his reign. If you look at the previous verse, chapter 24, verse 20. For through the anger of the Lord it came to pass in Jerusalem and Judah until he had cast them out from his present presence that Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. And it says, And it came to pass, verse one of twenty-five, in the ninth year of his reign, like Zedekiah's reign, in the tenth month, in the tenth day of the month, that Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came, he and all his hosts against Jerusalem and pitched against it, and they built forts against it roundabout, and the city was besieged unto the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. So it took him a year and a half or so here and it says and on the ninth day of the fourth month the famine prevailed in the city and there was no bread for the people of the land and the city was broken up and all the men of war fled by night by the way of the gate into two wall, between two walls which is by the king's garden now the Chaldees were against the city round about the king went the way toward the plain uh, the army of the Chaldees Pursued after the king and overtook him in the plains of Jericho and all his army were scattered from him so they took the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon to Re- Rebla and they gave judgment upon him and slew the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes and put out the eyes of Zedekiah and bound him with fetters of brass and carried him to Babylon and then it says uh and in the fifth month, on the eighth, on the seventh day of the month, which is the nineteenth year of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, came Nebuzaradan, king, uh, captain of the guard, a servant of the king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, and that's where he says, uh, and he burnt the house of the Lord. And uh, I'll kind of stop there. So that that is the destruction, and and it agrees with Jeremiah that it happened in the 11th year of Zedekiah's reign. So so Jeremiah was prophesying uh, prior to the destruction of Jerusalem and uh anyway we're just going to see a lot of things i think that we can even talk about our own country uh jeremiah was a patriot we said he's heavy-hearted for his people he loves his country he is lo- he loves the lord and uh he he suffered because of it but we said last, do you remember last week what we said we think kind of kept him going remember uh uh, Becca, we were going to memorize this. Uh, we're going to work on it. The chapter 15, 16 says that he found the words of the Lord and he did eat them. So he he began really eating and consuming the word of God. And it was in his... Let's just all look at that. Jeremiah 15, 16 again. Because I, I, I want to memorize... I tried to memorize this two or three times. and
2: I'm Are you?
0: I'm you want to try it for us?
2: Yeah. Um, thy well, words were found, Is and I won? did
0: eat them. Just a minute, just a minute. Uh, Teresa's going to quote it.
2: Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord. Um, by thy name, O Lord God of hosts, good Jeremiah 15.16. Wow. wow, good
0: job. That is really good. Where, where is this? Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. It's our memory work, Oh, Jeremiah fifteen
2: sixteen.
0: Yeah. So, Jeremiah found God's word, and he ate them, and they were joy and rejoicing of his heart. And uh, he was just thankful he was called by God's name, the Lord God of hosts. So, good job, Teresa. So, uh, what Kevin read earlier in these first six verses of chapter one, it says, but before God had formed Jeremiah in the be- in his mother's belly, that He knew him. And he sanctified him and ordained him a prophet unto the nation. So I gave you a list of some men who were set apart from God from their birth. And most of these we might be familiar with. Uh, Samson, he, uh, an angel of the Lord spoke to his mother and father before he was born. And the same thing with Samuel, his mother was uh, Hannah. And here we have Jeremiah. And in the New Testament, we have John the Baptist. And, uh, of course, Jesus Christ. His birth was prophesied and uh, a miraculous uh, uh, yeah, virgin birth. And uh, even Paul. Uh, so what do you think the word sanctified means? Set apart. Set apart. And somebody told me once something that helped me think of this uh, well first of all be be turning to Leviticus, but uh, when they when they yeah Leviticus twenty but uh, when you think of being set apart uh, a friend of mine just told me, you "Think of like a bird sanctuary. You know, even a zoo is kind of a sanctuary for animals, and they're they're set apart, kind of in the habitat that they need." And so, uh, I think even in my own lifetime, they they put kind of a, a sanctuary for pheasants, and they uh, put some is something special for somebody. Yeah, Leviticus 20 and verse 7. In fact, uh, Ed, do you have those, brother? Uh, Leviticus 20 verses 7
1: and 8. 27 and 8. Uh, Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God, and ye shall keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord which sanctify you.
0: So... (laughs) It almost sounds like a contradiction, but but the opposite is true. In verse seven, God is telling His people, "Sanctify yourselves and be holy." And then at the end of verse eight, it says, "I, the Lord, or I am the Lord, which sanctify you." And I just want to say both both are true aren't they that when you get when you get saved God sets you apart and he puts puts you and I on a track to be conformed to the image of Christ but on that path uh, it behooves each of us to follow the Lord and to obey his word and there's a sanctifying of ourselves isn't there and he'll he'll say you know don't do this and do do that and purify yourselves this way and be righteous because of this and be holy because i am holy so so both of those are true so there's kind of a an an active and a passive so god ought he sanctifies us himself when we trust christ as our lord and savior and then as as we become more like the lord we still need to be humble we still need to uh, walk with the Lord and so there is a purifying and a sanctifying of ourselves so that's what I put in the blanks there just the word set apart and so I gave you just the teaching point uh, God has a part in our sanctification and and so do we so uh, page 2 now uh, verses 7-10 through 10 of Jeremiah 1 Does somebody want to read those for us? Yeah, our hole punches are wrong. You punched them on the wrong side. Did I really? Mm
2: -hmm. That's the beginning, and you got it over here. Of
0: course, I did. That's par for the course today. Yeah, that's good. I'll uh. It's kind of hard. I'm going to make everybody folders this week, and so I'll include, I'll include the handouts with the right hole punches. Sorry about that.
2: So what do you want us to read?
0: Uh, Jeremiah
2: 1, verses 7 through 10. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, said the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to
0: plant. Okay. That's it. Thank you. Uh, now Jeremiah says... I think this shows uh, some humility that, that's what I had you put in your blank that the word humility because he said I'm just a child he's like Lord because you know God said I've called you from the womb and I've sent you to these nations and this is what I want you to do and he's saying God I'm just a child and that's not necessarily a bad thing is it? to tell the Lord you're like a child because I think think when we think you know we've got some stuff figured out and we're we're so smart and we we know all this stuff we tend to get puffed up and you know knowledge puffeth up but charity edifies and so I just think this was a very mature thing for Jeremiah to say and uh, he says almost the exact same thing that King Solomon does when he gets on the throne. In fact, I, I thought we might just look at that in First Kings three. L- let's all look at that in First Kings three. It does my heart good to look at this. Uh, Mark Shipley, th- to know how he can turn on subtitles. I think, yeah, that would be a really good idea. <laughs> Mark Shipley's online. That's cool. All right, 1 Kings 3. And here in 1 Kings 3, verse 5, it says, In Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. It, think, think in your mind, what if God came to you and just kind of gave you a blank check... And he signs it and he says, ask ask whatever you want and I'll give it to you. It's kind of like the genie in a bottle thing, except it's God. And so here's what Solomon said in in, in verse 6. And and Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness, in an uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day." And then verse 7, And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. What, what do you think that little phrase means, to go out and come in? Um, I would think it's a metaphor for bringing people to Christ. but M- Maybe for us, but for them it had to do with battle. It meant I don't know how to go out and fight the enemy and bring our people home. It was go out, so that that's actually a phrase found several times in the Bible to go out and come in. Had to do with warfare and Solomon saying, "You know, my father, your servant, the king, he was a mighty warrior, but I'm just a kid. I don't know how to go out or come in." And uh, so he he goes on here, verse eight, and thy servant. Is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. And then here's his request, verse 9 Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? And it says in verse 10, And the speech pleased the Lord, and Solomon, that Solomon had asked this thing and in verse 11 and God said unto him because thou hast asked this thing and hast not asked for thyself long life neither hast asked riches for thyself nor hast asked the life of thine enemies but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment he says behold I have done according to thy words lo I I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. So uh, he goes on to say that he also gave him riches and honor and fame and all these things. But uh, anyway, my my point here is that Solomon also said, Lord, I'm like a child and I don't know what to do. and I, I find myself in the midst of great people... But I can't discern good or bad. i need I need to be able to make good decisions, and I need wisdom, I need this understanding heart so that I can judge your people, Lord. and uh, God gave him that. and uh, so anyway, uh, now look look back at Jeremiah chapter one again, and he says something here. It's in verse 8, Jeremiah 1 8. God tells him, Don't be afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm a little bit that way. Sometimes I fear people's faces or their their appearance. And God says, Don't do that, because I I'll be with you to deliver you. Uh anybody else like that to where you maybe uh maybe have to face a boss or maybe have to face someone in authority
1: I, I think that's kinda like uh if I get called into the office, I always uh catastrophize it and bring it to the maximum
0: <laughs> you think the worst possibly go home. <laughs> oh no, you know, the same thing, yeah. You yeah, start feeling real small as you're walking in there. Yeah, <laughs> what it's like going to the principal's office. <laughs> Anybody ever have to go to the principal's office? Oh, <laughs> I did I most of my. Most of my <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> they used to could whip you in there, couldn't they?
2: Yeah.
0: So anyway. Uh, it, I, I just think this makes Jeremiah identifiable. This—he has fears, doesn't he? And you know, a couple of weeks ago when we were in life issues, that was one of the things I asked our class, uh, our small group. You know, what is it that you fear? And that—that that was one of our best discussions, uh, I thought, because you know, you might fear relapse. You might fear, you know, legal issues. You got finance. There, there's just a lot of fears that we all have and uh Jeremiah felt very small and he was fearful of uh, what people thought or what they looked like, and God promises that He will deliver him. And I, I gave you some uh, verses where God literally does deliver him, and we'll we'll get to that in days and weeks to come.
1: Sound like that old uh, thing that says the only thing to fear is fear itself?
0: Uh huh. That was uh, a president that said that.
1: The only thing to fear. Is that Roosevelt. Is fear. Itself.
0: I want to say it was. I was yeah. first going to say JFK, but <laughs> but I think it may have been Roosevelt.
1: You
2: know there's an acronym for fear. False evidence appearing real. Wow. Mm-hmm.
0: Face
1: everything and recover.
0: You may there? You go. Face everything and recover, huh? So we, we are to fear the Lord and, uh, and trust in Him, but... Uh, Anyway when, when we it's kind of like peter when he when he got out of the boat to walk on the water, he began to fear you know the waves and the wind and the storm around him, and he started to sink, but when he kept his eyes on Jesus uh, he was lifted out of the storm and he was saved and preserved and delivered so my teaching point there was just uh, God's man or woman will be humble and trust God with their fears so anyway uh You know, hindsight's twenty-twenty, but Jeremiah is just going into his. This all happens. This all happens up here. Uh, In the reign of Josiah, there were some good things going on, and Josiah was God's man, and and so he gets this uh, message for when things are going to get bad. uh, Don't don't be afraid of their faces. Okay. Me. Yes, ma'am. Is that blank fear? And that, um, thinking
2: of ourselves as a child is a manifestation of
0: fear. It's of humility. humility. Oh, humility yeah. 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 When it's like when we want to hold daddy's hand. You know, we're we're all adults in here, but you know, there was a time we wanted to hold big brother's hand or big sisters or our daddy's hand and uh, let him fight our battles. And so that's what we need to do with the Lord. So in verses 11 through 16, God gives Jeremiah some signs. And th- this is a verse that all of us uh, should kind of know about. It says uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, that uh, it says something like, "...the Gentiles seek after wisdom." but the jews require a sign so so with you know we we are all gentiles in here and uh for the most part we seek after knowledge and wisdom we we want we want to know more and but the jews require a sign the bible says and so god gives jeremiah a couple of signs here and who wants to read verses verse 11 for us somebody that hasn't read before verse 11
2: moreover the world of the Lord came the word of the Lord came unto me saying Jeremiah what seest thou and I said I see a rod of an almond tree
0: okay so this is the first sign that God gave to Jeremiah and um, trying to think, I think, I think we got enough time. Let's look at the numbers verse there. Hold your place here. Look at Numbers seventeen, verse eight. I just I love the way that the Bible it all fits together Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus Numbers he,
2: had a comment. he said this is great teaching understanding the captivities is key to understanding the prophets the prophecies and putting our Old Testament together."
0: all right all right uh, number 17-8 uh, so, so let me give you just a little bit of the the Cliffs notes Uh, Hey, Kevin, can can you just hold up that tabernacle that that you were... uh, Let's all look at this for just a second. This is a uh, a model or a replica of the tabernacle that the Jews constructed in the wilderness, the Sinai wilderness. So, yeah. Yeah, kind of tilted. So, you see the uh, outer... The outer court is that there's a fence around the whole thing. And then in the back is the uh, tabernacle, the biggest yellow structure there. And uh, there's two parts of that. There's the the holy place and then there's the holy of holies in the very back, Kevin. Uh, yeah. Yep, right in the back. So that's where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. And so what happened here is... In the wilderness, here in number seventeen that we're looking at, yeah, is that the Ark of the Covenant?
1: Oh, there's a, there's a scrolls
0: in there. Okay, so the table of,
1: Ta- yeah, table
0: of uh, the covenants in there. But anyway, uh, so they were kind of bickering about who's going to lead God's people, and so what God told them to do was every tribe take an almond branch uh, so there's about there's a there's about a dozen of us let's let's just kind of in our minds let's say we all go to our house today and we cut a branch off our tree and we're all going to put a branch in the tabernacle overnight and tomorrow God will reveal which one of us is going to be the Leader of his people. Well, that's what happens. And uh, uh, Pam Jackson, would you read eleven or seventeen eight of l- Numbers? Oh, I
2: just
0: of Sorry, number seventeen eight. Number seventeen eight. Oh, yeah. Yep.
2: And it came to pass that on the morrow Moses went into the tabernacle of witness and behold the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded and brought forth buds and bloom blossoms and yielded all
0: isn't that crazy that would be crazy for us to take a pine tree branch today and put it in the tabernacle and tomorrow there'd be pine cones on it or or acorns or whatever fruit comes from uh, the pine tree And uh, but yet that's what happened so So they go in there the next day, and 11 of the rods are still just sticks, but Aaron's rod butted. So they they must have put their name on each one. And uh, so anyway, that's kind of the same sign that Jeremiah is getting. Uh, In his vision, he sees this almond rod... And uh, he remembers, oh, I'm of the tribe of Levi. Oh yeah, we're the priestly tribe. Okay, God, you've you've appointed me. And he said it's it's a rod, <clears throat> and so rods were used for counting. Maybe you numbered people, but it's also used for chastisement. And I, and I think God is telling Jeremiah, I'm going to use you to chastise my people. I think that's the sign he's getting that in. in uh, Rule of thumb. Rule of thumb? Yeah. Oh,
1: no. rod can't be bigger
0: than his thumb. <laughs> ah. <laughs> that, uh, that was for swatting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For chastisement. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, so that was, and I gave you uh, the three things that are that are in the Ark of the Covenant, according to Hebrews nine four. There was three things. There was the tables of the covenant. So the the, the Ten Commandments, the the stone tablets were in there. There was a pot of manna to remind them that uh, how God fed them in the wilderness, and then there was Aaron's rod that budded was still in there. So God preserved that. Uh, through ge- all the generations of Israel didn't they say that the manna,
1: the manna would get bad really fast like that they couldn't hold it and keep it because it would
2: go bad?
0: To that yes. What it was. He wanted
2: real, them to but... glean every day. Yes. Look out
0: for him every except day. for the Sabbath. But yeah, if you tried to glean on a Monday and eat it on Tuesday, it would spoil. But you had to go out every day, just, just like we need to read our Bible every day.
1: They never, nothing ever was said what it, manna was. Like
0: a I yeah, they oh, they they made cakes and it was uh, it was white. The Bible says, but but that's what the word manna means. Is what is it? it, it, yeah. it <laughs> that's what the word manna means. What is it? It was like it, it was said. It was like a hoarfrost on the ground, so like a frosty morning, and uh, but after the the dew. Left, you could go out and gather it, oh. and uh, just basically scrape it off the grass and take it home and wow. feed your family. Yeah, kind of like flour and make cakes out of it. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: now, in verse uh, fifteen, so he, th- there's another sign here. <laughs> And God says he's going to hasten. Let's read 13, 14, and 15, uh, somebody. Uh, Connie, you got that? 13, 14, and 15?
2: Yeah. And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, What seest thou? And I said, I see a setting pot, and the face thereof is toward the north. Then the Lord said unto me, Out of the north an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land below will call all the families of the kingdoms of the north, saith the Lord, and they shall come, and they will set every one his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem, and against all the walls thereof round about, and against all the cities of Judah. Hmm. And I will. Is that
0: all? Yeah, that's good. Uh, so this this seething pot, it's it's kind of a melting. I didn't I didn't look that up too good. Uh, what are you saying? It's America. Yeah, kind of a all no. groups of people, kind of a melting pot. Um, yeah, I think you're probably right. But uh, but it the the key thing here is that it's facing toward the north. It says, yeah, at the end of verse 13, and the face thereof is toward the north. And the Lord said unto me, verse 14, Out of the north, and evil shall break forth. So, even though Babylon is kind of to the east of Jerusalem, right here is Jerusalem, uh, the trade route, you can see this is kind of desert. So the trade... I mean, I mean in the the d- does anybody know about how far Babylon is from Jerusalem?
2: Pretty far. That's about 80 miles. Eight, 80 miles. 80,
0: about a thousand. it's about 800 or oh, 800 yeah it so so this is kind of modern day Iraq where uh, ba- Babylon is right there so there's kind of a country of Babylon and there's a city of Babylon but the trade route is up and up and down so uh even even when we were there in Israel you know tel aviv is in the north and it, it's real close to joppa and uh, joppa was a seaport and uh it's it's famous uh we know T- uh simon the tanner lived in joppa and remember uh uh peter visited simon the Tanner and uh so still still today we, we went there uh they believe that the city was kind of tore down and rebuilt, so the the uh, the monument that's there, there's actually a door that says Simon the Tanner. Uh-huh. And uh, they know it's not the original, but they think it's the same location as where he lived, right on the seaport of the Mediterranean Sea. But uh, what what they call this, they say that Israel, uh, is is very vital because it 's what they call a land bridge it It bridges the land of Africa with europe and so there, th- this is a this is a great uh, travel route and so the Babylonians came down from the north. And so that's what that's the sign that Jeremiah was given, so he he was given that you know Jeremiah you're gonna be the rod of an almond tree, and by the way, the people you're talking to are gonna be this seething pot that's facing toward the north because the enemy's coming down from the north, and uh it it's it's Babylon, and then in verse fifteen that Connie read, it says. It says something about the gates, doesn't it?
1: Everybody, everybody wanted
0: Israel because it was that land Yes, yes. Yeah, right in the middle of the verse it says, They shall set every one his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem. And w- one thing that's pretty wild about our Bibles, and one one thing we try to do at this church is take the Bible literally. Have you ever heard that? you you probably heard that here. But... So, so right there, the Bible says that these enemies from the north—they're going to come and they're going to set every one his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem. And look, look at chapter thirty-nine, three, Jeremiah thirty-nine, three. I love it when I see these things. Jeremiah thirty-nine, three. Yeah. Yeah, what read that for us.
1: And all the princes of the king of Babylon came in and sat in the middle of the gate, even Nergal, Shesnar, Shmagar, Nebo, uh, yeah, all those, uh, with the residue of the princes of the
0: king of Babylon. Yeah, and look look at they sat in the middle gate that these princes of the other of the king of babylon they sat in the gate just like god prophesied to jeremiah in chapter 1 they're going to set every one his throne in the entering of the gates of jerusalem and lo and behold when they come they actually do that well, a and, lot of
1: times they were in like uh, poles, you know, like how the the, the Ark was had those poles with the the seat mm-hmm. on there. I think a lot of them princes and mm-hmm. stuff probably rode in like that, and they were sitting under in the, mm-hmm. the gate.
0: May, maybe they may have had their own. <laughs> Did you give the blank? Yeah. So, so what do you think is the blank there? Prophecy is fulfilled. Uh, I, well, I put the word literally. The so the enemy the enemy sitting in the gates is literally fulfilled. And so, uh, anyway, this prophecy concerns Judah. And I think next week, I'm going to give you my list of why... Uh, there's several times in the Bible that God says, I'm going to judge you because of this. And I've just kind of been accumulating a list. But this verse 16 gives four reasons. It says, for your wickedness, for forsaking God, for burning incense to other gods, and worshiping the works of their own hands. So God gives some, four reasons for judgment right there. This is why the enemy's coming, is because you guys have been wicked, you've forsaken the Lord. Lord, you burn incense to other gods, and you worship the works of your own hands, and uh, so your your teaching point there I gave you was God's children can expect judgment and the rod when they are dis- disobedient, so the word rod goes in your blank, God's children can expect judgment and the rod when they are disobedient, I mean that, that's how God God chastises and disciplines His children because He loves us, right? Absolutely. And he wants us uh, to be obedient. He wants us to obey him. And so this last little section here talks about Jeremiah's promise. And uh, who who wants to read these last three verses? 17 through 19 of Jeremiah 1.
2: Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise, and speak unto them all that command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. For behold, I have made thee this day a defensed city, and an iron pillar of raisin walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, hmm. the deliver
0: Yeah, what I really like about what Connie read there... Um, I'm trying to see which verse it's actually in verse 18 in verse 18 God says behold I have made thee in other words I've made Jeremiah you are actually a defense city you are an iron pillar you are a brazen wall Against the whole land, so this is Jeremiah's enemies: the whole land, the kings of Judah, the princes thereof, the priests thereof. Uh, so, so what I what I kind of gathered from that, and think about this: Jeremiah was fearing their faces. So it was like one man against the whole land and Babylon. In reality, they should have been afraid of him. Is that wild? Kind of like a sheba. So Kevin, think about think about your workplace. Now you, your your work is a pretty a Christian ran operation. But but maybe maybe more like you, Becca. Think about the people at Sam's Club. They may seem s- secular or maybe above you in pay or whatever but you're a child of God you are set apart and you're in this workplace that's maybe pretty worldly and it's uncomfortable sometimes because I work with a bunch of lost people and uh, but in essence they have the priv- they have worked alongside a child of God and in essence they should be fearing you instead of you fearing them that is just really amazing isn't it because we're not y- you, you and God are a majority, but fear God. right? You're the one that turn back. Yeah. Amen. Anyway, that's uh, that's just a pretty amazing thing that God tells him that your enemies are not going to prevail. God is with you. God will deliver you, and He's He's called you. So this is this chapter is is His calling. And l- let me take you to one more place. Let's go to the book of Daniel, and we'll conclude here in the book of Daniel, chapter 1. And we're going to see, let's see, uh, it's, it's to the right, isn't it? More than Ray. So Daniel chapter 1. And let me just read the first three verses of Daniel chapter one. Is everybody there? And we we should recognize these verse these names because some of them are on the board here behind me. It says in the third year of the reign of Je- Jehoiakim. So that's that's this guy, right? And I think on our handout, he only reigned a couple couple of months, didn't he? Or three months? Is that what it says on the front page? He was 11 years. Okay. It was the guy after him that was only three months. Okay. So it was in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah... "...came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried uh, into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the house, treasure house of his God." so that, that was uh, when Daniel so there was three deportations and, and Daniel was the first group but now turn over to chapter 9 that's where I really want us to go Daniel 9 so while, while Daniel is in captivity look what happens in chapter 9 and uh, these first three verses here It says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. And then in verse 3, And I set my face into the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fastings and sackcloth and ashes. Now, uh, we've got three minutes left here today, but what I wanted to say about that is, when Daniel read Jeremiah... And and he said that uh, Jeremiah prophesied there's going to be 70 years of captivity. What it did was it caused Daniel to pray. And I guess that's what I wanted to leave all of us with today. Is as we study and read Jeremiah, we should be praying uh, for our country, for our...
1: 70 years of
0: captivity. Right. Yeah. Oh, last week... We're on the last week. Yes, we are.
1: Four years of captivity, that we're about to
2: enjoy.
0: Yeah. About to be carried away. (laughs) Yeah. He was talking
2: about, you know, how when you're backed by God, you don't have nothing to fear. And in 2 Chronicles, Jehoshaphat was really afraid because he knew there was three armies coming against him. So him and the whole city, they got together and they prayed to God. Mm -hmm. God said, you will not need to fight in this battle because this battle is mine. The next morning, they believed him. They believed God. So the next morning, they got up and they sang all the way to that battle. When they got there, all three of those armies were destroyed.
1: Yeah, that's what I was talking As about. A very ah. says, okay, so and I the fear no
2: of God was on church. all the kingdoms of those countries when they had heard yeah. that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. People didn't like messing yeah. with Israel yeah. because they knew yeah. God so, back.
0: Yes, yes. And they yes.
2: Were like, uh-huh, they that. that.
1: They walked straight in out of the desert and whooped AI.
2: Well, And they spent three days cleaning up the spoils of a fight they did not fight.
0: Uh-huh. That that is awesome. So
2: the last thing was to drive us to what? Pray.
0: yeah. Pray. Pray was your last blank there. And uh, anyway, I'm I'm kind of excited about this, and I hope I hope you are too. Any, any other questions or thoughts?
2: No. So, no, but this okay. is good. Good. Yeah. Thank you. You're going slow and uh, taking us around.
0: Yeah. Well, the history part is interesting to me, and so hopefully it connects. Cause it helps your whole Bible come together once you understand some of these <laughs> names and prophecies and dates. And uh, both of you had your hand up. Let's go, ladies first. Can we? Can you
2: make us a new thing tomorrow? Can you make that as well?
0: This right here? Yeah. I've got I've got some of Jim's handouts that are going to be excellent for that. Okay. Yeah, because I don't know how to make some of those charts, really. But,
1: yeah, they all should be on that thumb drive.
0: Yeah, I've got all of his handouts. But anyway, yeah, you had something, Edward? Oh. God's love makes me fall that. <laughs> Well you did get up and gas. That's good. Oh man. Well let's go in the sanctuary. We will praise the Lord. Let's uh let's close in prayer and we'll finish out uh Facebook. Thank you guys for joining us online. Sorry for the audio trouble again and we 'll uh, work on that so let 's let 's pray and we 'll be dismissed, uh, Lord. We do thank you for this uh, book of the bible that 's just as relevant uh, today as it was twenty five hundred years ago. so Lord, help us not to fear the faces of uh, of our enemies, Lord. just know that you're you 're with us, Help us to be people of prey uh, that that do that do pray and uh, help us to uh, find your word and, and eat them, Lord, that they may nourish and give us the strength we need to Endure the battles that we're in, and just uh, thank you for uh, Ed's word about uh, your love, and what makes us want to pray, uh, get up and dance. So, Lord, uh, dismiss us now with your blessing, and be with uh, Brian in the main service. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Anything I
2: can do this week to help you get the booklets ready?
0: Boy, that might be good.
2: I could, I mean, if you need-